studio. Uh, this is the first place, one of the first places that got me interested in um, movies. I saw French classics here and I fell in love with um, uh, movie making and films in general. So uh, I have very good memories of this place. Uh, so today we're going to be talking about uh, Iranian documentary cinema and um, what makes it uh, so vibrant. Um, some of you might know that uh, Iranian cinema is a, uh, since the 19, late 1990s, it's been one of the important um, uh, cinema movements in the world and, um, and the films are, you know, featured really important festivals and Cannes Film Festival, Venice Film Festival. And uh, a couple of years ago, at, uh, an Iranian film won the Oscar, um, The Separation. So uh, people know about the feature films, but not much known, is known about uh, documentaries. But since I'm a documentary filmmaker myself, I've been involved with that community, and I um, think that it's a very vibrant uh, community. So I started to become interested in, uh, you know, what makes uh, the film movement in Iran um, so uh, uh, so successful. And um, since I was involved with documentaries, I was looking at that. Um, so this presentation and my dissertation basically is about um, figuring out the reasons behind, um, you know, the. Um, uh, Iranian uh, documentary cinema's uh, success, and uh, also what are some of the social factors that shape the films, um, shape Iranian films. Um, uh, the British scholar Raymond Williams proposes that culture is a whole way of life. It's made up of all artistic activities and social organizations that produce them. And all social activities are also influenced by economic conditions. Um, so here I'm addressing how uh, documentary filmmakers in Iran make their work, how they engage with different governmental institutions uh, that provide them with funding for their work and how their environment influences the kind of films they make. Since the 1979 revolution, the Iranian government has attempted to Islamicize um, uh, Iranian um, uh, film production by supporting locally uh, produced films and enacting strict Islamic uh, moral guidelines for these productions. State supervision of various phases of funding, production, and especially broadcast and distribution of the films has limited and shaped their subject matter and style. Regulations determine music, taboo themes, male and female behavior, and appearance on, on the screen. Films are also uh, encouraged to propagate the notions of self-sacrifice, martyrdom, and revo revolutionary patience, and, uh, but without denying their, um, uh, their entertainment values. Um, the severity of the restrictions uh, vary among different um, producing organizations, uh, which has uh, resulted in some films being made that don't quite conform to the strict uh, guidelines that you know the government likes to uh, see, and uh, some films, controversial films, are made in Iran that end up being banned, and uh, the filmmakers get into trouble because of them. Um, I think in one of the classes you were you saw a Circle uh, here just uh, uh, last night or something, and then you know that's one of the films that breaks a lot of the boundaries. Um, 
Many filmmakers have made films on topics that they are passionate about by producing their own films in collaboration with the Documentary and Experimental Film Center or with the private sectors. Uh, another or uh, producing organization is um, IRIB, which is the Iran television system, which is a much more ortho orthodox um, uh, system and it's more strict. Um, but again, like I said, there are films that are made that uh, kind of break the boundaries, even within um, the television system, the IOIB. For example, uh, Piruz Kalantari, um, who's a filmmaker whose film uh, I'm going to be talking about later, uh, he made a 10 part series for IRB um, uh, in 1996 about Iranian uh, documentaries. And he featured one segment was about Ibrahim uh, Golestan and his collaborator, poet Furuk Farukhzad, um, who is a controversial figure from the 1940s because of her honest uh, feminine expression and her uh, feminine voice um, in which she expresses her desires as uh, a woman. Um, so Piruz knew that this film, this segment from the 10-part series will never be broadcast, but um, he decided to make it anyway so he would have, have it as an archive. But one night, late at night, um, he had the TV on and all of a sudden he sees this segment broadcasting and he was really shocked. Um, of course, the next day, all the papers had written articles about it and, and there was like a kind of a... Um, outrage, um, so the whole series was stopped. So you see like these kinds of crazy things happen here and there. Um, documentaries are uh, uh, documentaries are mostly broadcast on television, that's where most documentaries are shown even in this country. Uh, some make uh, theatrical releases, uh, but most of those are like art houses, um, and smaller, you know, like festivals, uh, and they need to have uh, broadcast permits, uh, screening permits for those films. Um, and those screening permits are given by a governmental institution called the um, Ministry of Culture and Islamic Guidance. Um, so if your film has, you know, crosses red lines, um, you don't get um, screening um, uh, permits. Um, so very few people get to see your film if you are making, you know, alternative films. But still, filmmakers make those alternative films, and they have uh, these alternative spaces, galleries, uh, people's homes that they gather and uh, show their uh, films. So especially young people, women, um, who have a different vision, uh, rely on these kind of alternative spaces. So when we're talking about film making and film exhibition in Iran, there are many different layers. It's not just one thing we're talking about. Um, so uh, in terms of uh, who gets to make films, um, the government really supports filmmaking. And um, they have different organizations which um, support um, young filmmakers, women. Uh, there's an organization for young cinema that uh, gives money to young filmmakers, gives them grants, and they make their films. Um, but in all of this, like this country, um, uh, a smaller uh, percentage of women are making films. So in a couple of years ago, when there were statistics uh, of all the documentaries made, only about 10% were by women. Um, and, um, and 
So this is like a small uh, percentage, but uh, many of these women are making films that are critically acclaimed. Uh, filmmakers like Rakhshan Bani Etemad, Mahlash Sheikh of Islam, Nahid Rezali, whose film you will see tonight, uh, Mahnaz Ahsali, Mina Keshavars, these are another filmmaker whose film you'll see. Um, they've made important films that have won uh, prizes and they're recognized. Uh, another uh, institution that supports filmmakers is the Documentary and Experimental Film Center, DEFC, which is a subsidiary of the Ministry of Culture. And they uh, put together the Verite International Film Festival, um, which is a, uh, since 2007, it's an important festival. Um, and filmmakers have good relationships with this uh, institution and the festival. But again, um, who is in power affects, uh, you know, the kind of the leadership of the uh, documentary ex experimental film center DEFC. So uh, from 2005 uh, to 2012, I would say um, there was a, a conservative um, uh, a conservative government of uh, Ahmadinejad in, uh, in office, and he appointed uh, conservative uh, members of the cinema um, uh, administration. And um, the FC was under their rule, and they had um, filmmakers had many problems with them. And um, in 2009, when there was the uprising against unfair elections in Iran, which was one of the first major uprisings in the Middle East um, that was later on uh, subsequently followed by the uprisings in Egypt and Libya and so forth. Um, the, government, uh, uh, the government put down the uprising very strongly and many filmmakers were also arrested and um, even some of the demonstrators were killed and um, the filmmakers started to get very upset at the administration of cinema and they boycotted the Verite Film Festival. So for four years, they wouldn't submit their films to the festival. And only last year they started again because a new administration is now in office. So we're seeing this like kind of uh, back and forth tensions and collaboration between um, filmmakers and the film institutions in Iran. Um, and filmmakers have a uh, guild, a union, that supports their work. It's called the uh, Iranian Documentary uh, Association. It's IRDFA, which started in 1997. And um, they help them kind of uh, negotiate with these uh, different governmental institutions. Um, uh, so I just want to skip through a little bit because of uh, some of the time constraints. Um, okay, so the question comes up, why does the Iranian state support uh, film production? Um, so the reason that uh, the Iranian government uh, began to support film and television production soon after the 1979 revolution was to offset Western cultural influence. They, um, uh, they provide they provide funding for cinema and restrict, uh, restrict, restricted the import of American and European films. These policies led to the flourishing of Iranian cinema. When uh, Ayatollah Khomeini consolidated, consolidated power, unlike the
the more hardline clerks, he showed conditional support for film industry, differentiating a moral Islamic cinema from what was seen as a westernized and corrupt cinema that had existed during the Shah's time. According to Hamid Nafisi, documentary cinema remained part of the state ideological apparatus as it was funded and regulated primarily by state and big industries, by state television and big in industries under its control. Um, but as I explained earlier, it's true that um, documentaries were at first part of only the television system, but as um, later on they kind of grew more independently and uh, were able to have some independence from this kind of being part of the state ideological apparatus. So a little bit of history. Um, during and after the revolution, support for documentary films uh, was provided by um, governmental institutions and through tariffs and restrictions on imports. In the early period, uh, the films were mostly limited to the subject of revolution and the Iran-Iraq war. From, which was from 1980 to 1988. They emphasized populism, self-sacrifice, martyrdom, violence, and death, and promoted the need for guardianship by the religious leadership, rather than individualism, that is the hallmark of enlightenment and modernity. At this time, most of the independent-minded, well-known documentary filmmakers, like Ibrahim Mokhtari, Rakhshan Bani Etanad, and Manucher Mushiri and Muhammad Reza Mogadassian worked in st state television. Um, but as TV became more regulated, uh, many of them moved out and started to work um, in independent companies. Uh, other state uh, organizations such as uh, Ministry of Construction Crusade engaged filmmakers like Morteza Avini to make films on the Iran-Iraq war and these films exemplified the ideas of the Islamic revolution such as faith in God, martyrdom, self-sacrifice and spirituality. Um, so I'll talk about that uh, a little bit later. Um, I'm just going to go chronologically um, to what happened in 1997 with President Khatami, who was a reformist. Um, when he came to power, social reforms eased cultural production and provided opportunities for diverse opinions to be expressed in the public sphere, including in documentary films. Global technological advances also helped independent filmmaking in Iran. The availability of video and digital cameras on a wide scale globally and in Iran, and their affordable prices made it possible for younger people and filmmakers from outside the capital city who were interested in cinema to make independent films. The globalization of media and the expansion of satellite transmissions that would reach Iran despite their ban led to a pro proliferation of satellite dishes in most homes. And so uh, transnational media started to enter the Iranian homes. This was not acceptable to the uh, clergy, and they tried to ban it, but the ban was not enforceable. People continued to be interested, and they would buy you know, these satellite dishes, and every time they would ban one thing, they would figure out a new way to go around it. So today, like most homes in Iran have the satellite dish, and, um, uh, and of course, filmmakers were also influenced by all these films, and 
um, the media that was coming from, uh, from other countries. Uh, Nafisti notes that the dem democratizing effect of this technology and its intimacy is, uh, allows for uh, closeness to the subject matter. So it kind of changes the dynamics of how uh, films are structured. Um, besides lightweight cameras that enable many to make films on, at low costs, uh, satellite television was also another uh, factor that influenced the filmmaking. Um, at this time, documentary filmmakers followed in the footsteps of print journalists because of the opening in media and expanded their filmmaking topics to uh, review and comment on various aspects and problems of social life in Iran, such as the problems of youth, women, addiction, and city life, rather than remaining focused only on religion uh, and the war. Moderate and left-leaning newspapers and journalists proliferated and were widely read at this time, and many independent-minded journalists were writing incisive and critical articles about civic and social issues. Documentary filmmakers in the 1980s were also focused on social issues. This is before Khatani. Uh, however, they were very much restricted, and many of them were banished from the uh, television system. But during this period, there was a kind of a time where these kinds of thoughts were more allowed. And uh, it was uh, possible for some of these filmmakers who were interested in social issues, like Rakshan Bani-Etemad or Ibrahim Mukhtari, to make their films. Um, films that, like, who do you show these films to uh, about um, the um, uh, demolition plan for a poor area in Tehran? Uh, and our time, uh, our times about the 2002 presidential elections uh, were part of these, uh, this movement of um, kind of social documentaries coming into the mainstream. So I'm going to show you um, a short clip from um, who do you show these films to? Uh, I'm sorry, from our times, from Bayrashan So in this clip, um, we see um, this, this film was about the elections, the 2002 elections. And in this clip, um, we see one of the candidates for presidency in Iran uh, before like, the final stages of the main candidates getting uh, kind of nominated or um, getting accepted. A lot of people can, uh, can uh, uh, volunteer as, as candidates. So a number of women. Um, um, became candidates, and these were very ordinary women. Some of them had very little means um, of becoming, you know, running for presidency. So this is a, a portrait of one of them, and uh, she's a young uh, woman who has a lot of difficulties. She lives with her blind um, mother and a child, and she can't find um, housing for herself, but still she runs for president. So this is um, the quality is not great, so I might just run it on the smaller screen. Okay, so um, just to give you a little um, taste of what it looks like, but um, so then later we see that she has a lot of uh, she has a lot of difficulty um, uh, with even you know finding um, a place to live. Um, but just the fact that they, 
people at that period were so excited by the social reforms that they could envision themselves running for uh, presidency shows that there was a lot of hope in the society. Um, so the, this period of uh, expansion um, uh, continued um, for some time, even into the presidency of Mahmoud Ahmadinejad, which began in 2005. Um, but his administration moved to restrict journalism and artistic output. The, uh, the uprisings that began um, against uh, unfair election practices during his second term uh, led to violent state backlash and more restrictive measures were put in place. These events led to a period of demoralization and reduction in film production as filmmakers were closely scrutinized and questioned about their work and were a few were imprisoned. International economic sanctions also contributed to high inflation and reduction in funding, which also cut back documentary production. However, despite the setbacks, filmmakers regrouped and continued to organize and remained active by setting up workshops, film festivals, informal meetings, and making smaller films outside of the system. Um, in general, Iran sees itself as a leader in Middle East and, in, and, and sees itself in opposition to Western powers, particularly the U.S. with its history of intervention in the region. The tensions between Iran and the West impact global alliances and relationships between uh, different nations within the region, um, and they also influence all aspects of life in Iran. Films that engage um, uh, or talk about poverty, women's issues, and lack of gay rights in Iran, for example, find more markets in the international uh, film markets uh, in Europe and US. And this leads to more exposure and revenues for these films. But in Iran, these topics expose filmmakers to internal criticisms and censure. Iranian documentary filmmakers want to participate in global exchanges to distribute their works internationally uh, but the aesthetic and thematic preferences in the West are often at odds with limits imposed by the Islamic Republic. So these dynamics and these uh, kind of contradictions leave filmmakers in vulnerable positions. Um, so talking about restrictions, um, especially from 2009 to 2012, filmmakers who made critical films and showed their work internationally, internationally faced lengthy interrogations. One filmmaker told me that during this time, this dark time, um, she felt that doing her work had become like committing a crime, like making films was like committing a crime. Even the subjects of her documentary were questioned by authorities. Restrictions were placed on travel, ability to, to work or distribute films. In 2011, many filmmakers who were questioned about their working relationships were people who had worked with um, BBC, Persian, and with Voice of America. And some were, in uh, some were arrested and, and even imprisoned for several months, accusing, uh, accused of collaborating with the BBC, which was seen as um, a uh, suspicious kind of uh, network who was trying to dismantle the Islamic Republic. Uh, by the way, I have to say that uh, these transnational um, channels are often, you know, trying to uh, uh, discredit the Islamic Republic. So they're not just, you know, 
have these policies out of the blue. So there is some basis, but the, the films that are made in Iran um, usually are not the, against the Iranian regime. But because they're shown on these channels, and those channels have political pro uh, programs against the regime, that's why they are seen as collaborating with the enemy. And um, uh, so during this period, it was very difficult, uh, and, and filmmakers were strictly censured, and that put the fear uh, in, in, in uh, filmmakers, and they stopped completely uh, having their, any kind of relationship with Western media organizations. Um, even the Gale, the IRDFA, um, tried to protect them, and the House of Cinema tried to protect the filmmakers by announce, you know, announcing that the filmmakers hadn't done anything illegal, but pretty soon the House of Cinema was closed. So there was like a really difficult, dark period uh, at this time. Um, but because, you know, the um, uh, people, artists, um, intellectuals were regrouping and you know, talking about these things, and there was a lot of criticism of um, you know the conservative uh, elements in the in the country. Um, it started to turn and shift things, uh, and that kind of led to uh, that was one of the factors that led to uh, reformers getting elected uh, in 2013. So things did not remain like that um, for good. Um, but if we want to look at the kind of the bigger picture, um, I think that there are two main discourses at work here. One is the Shiite discourse, which is the, um, the kind of the revolutionary language that the revolution started with. Um, uh, in the 1980s, words like jihad, which means struggle, uh, shahadat, martyrdom, and mustazafin, the deprived or dispossessed proliferated in public language to prepare the population for a new Islamic era and for war. Um, and Sari notes that Islam, its symbols and cultural constructs is quintessentially the language of popular mobilization and Khomeini was adept at using the public's uh, religious and revolutionary fervor uh, in its favor. Uh, Khomeini encouraged people to channel their dissatisfaction and alienation into appropriate Shiite venues and spectacles in the form of uh, religious theaters, passion plays, tazyeh, ashura processions, and mass demonstrations against U.S. imperialism and in support of ideals of the Islamic Republic. The Iran-Iraq war that I spoke about earlier was instigated by Saddam Hussein in 1980 as he believed that Iran's position was weak. And he was actually supported by Western powers. Um, the war, uh, uh, Iran fought very bravely for eight years and eventually kind of won the war and say winning because they lost so many people. Um, but the war was fully incorporated into the discourse of the Islamic Republic in public discussions, on murals, in television programs, and um, in films. And uh, this was uh, formulated in, in terms of jihad and battle with evil, giving the uh, regime further legitimacy. Documentaries in the early period, during and after the revolution and eight-year war with Iraq were mainly produced by state television and they were mostly about uh, these themes. Murtaza Avini is one of the most important filmmakers uh, of this genre of filmmaking. And uh, he made uh, a very important um, series called the Rivayat Fat, 
the chronicle of victory uh, for state television that ran for 10 years. It was the longest running uh, series on television. And they focused on the soldiers, and unlike the other propaganda films of the time that featured heavy voice of God narration, they had a poetic narration interspersed with the verite footage of the soldiers and uh, soldiers talking about their spiritual goals. So this kind of like the connection between spirituality and war was really established in these in these films, so that the soldiers weren't fighting um, just kind of the evil enemy. They were fighting to, for the glory of God and for their for the country. Um, and these uh, films were very important for um, for propaganda purposes and also enlisting of many uh, volunteers to the war. Um, speaking of this series, uh, Alvini, the filmmaker, explained it in the discourse of the sacredness of war as it was practiced by the Islamic regime. He said, the films show you how to get closer to God. We made films that, keep, that kept the war holy. The subjects of these films were mostly men, the soldiers, but at times they would feature strictly veiled women, relatives who bravely declared that they were happy to give their sons to their righteous war. So I'll show you a little clip um, from from this uh, from one of the Rebayat <clears throat> uh, al There's no subtitle in this. Um, they were often featuring like uh, leaders, uh, you know, like uh, leaders in the war who uh, were fighting and sometimes dying in, in the front. So in this uh, piece, um, uh, he's focusing on one. Um, Characters, who's this guy here? And this was in the south, um, as you see, the palm trees and all that. And he was like featured as like a um, a very brave soldier who was leading his crews. And you see that these are very young boys. Some of them weren't even 18; they volunteered. So this is shot in very taste So the voiceover is kind of a poetic voiceover talking about how bravely they are fighting and is using spiritual language.
Um, so it's very taken, you know, connected with the kind of uh, expressive, uh, uh, expressive forms of film. Um, Okay, um, so we talked about the, <clears throat> the, uh, um, uh, kind of the religious forms of uh, documentary filmmaking, um, but the Iranian filmmakers are also, um, especially the younger generation and the women, are influenced by uh, Western modes of documentary. Um, in the West, um, Documentary film's history has been connected to the observational methods and factual information. Therefore, the subjective is expected to be minimized. Um, however, the role of the filmmaker in choosing the shots and stylistic decisions is always present. Michael Renov um, states that by 1990, there was a growing tendency for representation of the historical world to be bound by self-inscription. In these films, subjectivity is no longer constructed as something shameful, but shows a filter and an experiential compass that guides the work towards its goal of embodied knowledge. Um, so on one hand, we have the kind of the social documentaries that I showed an example of Rachon's film. Um, we had the religious films. And um, now, since the last um, five years or so, um, there's this move towards like more uh, personal filmmaking. Uh, according to Haninak, you see modern subjectivity based on the individual does not exist in sacred uh, subjectivity, which is based on martyrdom and the union of the self with God, because humans are never separated from God. They acquire their identity through the worship of the beloved. Uh, 30 years after the revolution, the young urban filmmakers are no longer inspired by the sacred. Some of these filmmakers have been trained by international media companies such as the BBC, where they follow Western television documentary trends. In personal, um, they are interested in personal films or essay films because of the contemporary elusiveness of the subject. Uh, Renov, Michael Renov claims that what he calls the presence of the subject in new autobiography is not due to unnecessary self-absorption or coherence, but to instability, flux, and per perpetual revision of the subject. This discussion is helpful uh, to understanding Iranian documentary, their interest in the subjective and the personal uh, filmmaking, because they live in very uncertain environment both by Iranian and Islamic traditions on one hand, and Western influences and concerns regarding their place in the global world. They often use the form of uh, personal uh, films to express their questions and predicaments so that in the process they may find answers to their lives. Um, so there's um, a few films that I want to um, show a little bit of. Uh, one is uh, by Nahid Rezaei, um, Dream of Silk, which we will see tonight. Um, and in this film, <clears throat> she uh, kind of combines the personal and the social documentary. Um, she uh, goes back to her high school, and um, she kind of uh, talks to uh, young uh, girls that she finds there about their dreams. All right, so another film, um, I should, uh, 
Another film is Unwelcome in Tehran by Mina Keshawaz, which we'll see tonight. And I'll show a little clip from that. In this film, she is um, the filmmaker. Uh, it's really personal, it's, uh, because the other one was kind of a social film as well about the, uh, the school. But in this film, it's about herself and her predicament of um, uh, separating from her husband and trying to find out whether she can live in Tehran as a single woman. Um, and it's, she finds it very difficult, so she talks to uh, some other uh, women to see if that's possible. Okay. So, like I said, it's like a question, her question to figure out um, what to do with her life. So um, it's kind of really in line with uh, personal documentary that you see in this country. Um, okay, thanks. <laughs> so the essay form, I don't know, how are we doing with time? Maybe five. Okay, yeah, okay, just finishing up. Um, so I just want to also talk about essay films, which is another um, form of modern subjectivity. Um, and they've become very um, popular in Iran. And Piers Kalantari, who's a veteran filmmaker, um, is interested in this form. Uh, according to Gianetti, an essay is neither fiction nor fact, but a personal investigation involving both the passion and intellect of the author. Noral Alter suggests that essay film dis disrespects traditional boundaries, is transgressive both structurally and conceptually. It is self-reflective and self-reflexive. Um, so uh, kind of the essay film, in a way, is uh, not bound in a certain kind of structure. It, uh, it, it uh, is um, kind of self-reflexive, that the author, the filmmaker is present, the voice of the filmmaker is always present, but they're musing about something in their uh, life or in their environment. Um, <clears throat> the essay is conscious of its own subjectivity, but also aspires to express something objective. <clears throat> so um, as an example of this, um, I will be showing um, uh, a clip from um, Piruz Kalantari's film uh, about Tehran um, and a park in Tehran, an old park in Tehran, uh, which is called the City Park, Park Eshah. And um, he, it's, a, it's, a, it's a local you know, place that he always passes by. And he has a lot of relationship to this place in, in his actual life, but he's never been able to make a film about it. I mean, this is the first time he has uh, um, you know, tried to do that. So, okay, so these are just some examples of this kind of modern subjectivity that um, filmmakers are uh, uh, experimenting with um, today in, Tehran, in Iran. Um, so, in conclusion, in Islamic Iran, uh, since the 1979 revolution, uh, for documentary filmmakers, there has been the ideological and expressive struggle between aesthetic forms, the different aesthetic forms, because Iran stands at the crossroads of Islam Western influence. On one hand, they also aspire to spiritual and because, um, yeah, on one hand, there are, they, there are those who aspire to spiritual um, motives and negate the individual self, and then there are those who are um, driven by them to make sense of their social conditions uh, that exist in Iran. 
and more recently filmmakers who place the subjective self at the center of their work and question their own existence within the social order. So these um, three forces are kind of coexisting and um, trying to work together and sometimes there's conflict uh, between the religi religious factions and those who are interested in um, the self-portrait uh, and self-expression. Uh, but these are the main trends that we see in Iran and um, the difference between um, the, uh, the, uh, the kind of more progressive or more westernized um, filmmakers and uh, those who kind of uh, adhere to their religious standards uh, that the government also aspires to. Um, that basically covers the uh, discussion. Thank you, and you can ask some questions.